Hi, I'm Jayan Sriram and welcome to In Focus, the Hindu's analysis podcast. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we ask a very simple question. Why isn't our parliament working during the COVID-19 crisis? Or slightly reframed, what are the various ways in which parliament can help right now, but isn't doing since it's not functioning? We have to clarify here, of course, that parliament is not in session. The pandemic kind of hit us fully when the budget session was on. That got adjourned and we are scheduled to have the monsoon session next. But in the interim, when parliament isn't working, the bodies that do work are the standing committees, which play a crucial role. Exactly what that role is, I'll leave for our guest today to explain, along with some reasoning on why standing committees may have been particularly useful right now to work with the government and possibly also to exercise some oversight and some monitoring. There are several examples of parliaments in countries around the world doing this, conducting sessions through video conference, actually playing a crucial role in responses to COVID-19. We'll discuss some of those examples and also look at why the current situation presents us with an opportunity, in fact, to make our various standing committees function even better. My guest today is Chakshu Roy. He is the Head of Legislative and Civic Engagement at PRS Legislative Research. If you're somewhat familiar with the policy world, you'd know them very well. If not, then they are a one-stop resource for all things to do with Parliament. It's functioning, legislations, background research, pretty much everything. In short, the right people to speak about Parliament at any time, and not just this one. So here's Chakshu Roy. Chakshu, uh, thank you for joining the Hindus uh, In Focus podcast today. It's your first time on our podcast and I hope it's not the last because uh, Parliament is an issue that we hope to keep returning to, legislative issues as well. And PRS is so important in that field. Um, So thank you for making time for us today. Jayan, thank you for having me. So um, we're talking today about the role of Parliament uh, in a pandemic, uh, the pandemic that we're facing right now. So let me first start by asking if if there has actually been any debate in the public sphere in India about this issue? Have politicians from many parties suggested that parliament or the standing committees in particular should function through video call and the like, as it seems to be happening in other parts of the world? And what's been the response to suggestions like these? Jen, uh, I'll start with a little bit of a background about, uh, you know, how things have, uh, you know, rolled out in the last two months. Yeah. So when the pandemic happened uh, and the lockdown happened, uh, that was the time when the parliament's budget session was supposed to be on. And the parliament's budget session was supposed to go on till the 9th of, uh, 8th or 9th of April. Uh, but the session had to be cut short by 10 days. And I think the 23rd of March was the last day of the budget session. Uh, and the finance bill uh, was also passed you know, in about an hour's time on that last day. Now, uh, two things uh, are important in any democracy. Uh, One is, uh, you know, the accountability of the government to people's representatives in parliament. And uh, should that accountability be episodic or should that accountability be continuous? In our system, uh, accountability of government happens, you know, either at the parliament level for the central government and uh, at the Vidhan Sabha's, at the state level. Now, uh, when parliaments are not in session or the legislatures are not in session, then the accountability of government action happens through 
the forum of standing committees and standing committees are these mini parliaments they have representation from uh, every political party in the house and then they look at specialized subject areas uh, of the different ministries uh, between april and july parliament is anyways not in session because uh, unlike other countries our parliament does not sit throughout the year it sits you know for three sessions uh, in a year so the next parliament session was supposed to be third week of july to about third week of august but even when parliament is not in session then standing committees are still functioning standing committees are still examining the work that was done by ministries they are still examining the different bills that have been referred to them uh, and that work got stopped uh, because uh, members of parliament could not come uh, to parliament house in delhi to be in those meetings now a number of chairmen of standing committees reached out to the presiding officers and they suggested that the work of standing committees should resume and it should resume through the process of uh, virtual video conference and electronic means and they gave examples of uh, parliaments around the world which were conducting their business uh, through video conference or through remote working groups the presiding officers have uh, uh, referred that matter to the parliament secretariat uh, and they have asked the parliament secretariat to figure out the feasibility of whether such committee meetings can be held online or not uh, one last thing uh, before i conclude uh, now that uh, air travel uh, has resumed in the country uh, one parliamentary committee meeting is supposed to happen in the first week of june Uh, the idea is that members of parliament will be able to travel to delhi and there will be some work that will be able to be transacted uh, when they are physically present uh, so let me kind of stop there and then we can you know get into the nitty gritties of why that is important why committees are important and you know what can be done right and uh, you know that also takes me to um, a kind of larger point about accountability here that you had mentioned now a running theme through especially the lockdown period um that everyone is talking about is has been the centralization of power the fact that the government has been able to invoke the epidemics act which is problematic because it's a colonial era relic like a lot of our laws are and the national disaster management act which was a law specifically created after the tsunami of 2004 so um and it's these two laws have basically allowed them to you know virtually micromanage the entire country in how they're dealing with the pandemic um so in such a situation could a functioning parliament have acted as a good check and balance even if some of the standing committees were functioning let's say yeah uh, I, you know jayant i think you raise a uh, you raise a very valid point and the point is about uh, how how does the government functioning uh, get uh, uh, analyzed or you know uh, a, a, a closer lens is applied to government functioning when parliament's not in session and usually that happens through the mechanism of parliamentary committee what these committees do is uh, they uh, they invite uh, uh, government officers to come and depose before the committee and they question the uh, officers on to the working or the decisions that have been taken now the spirit of this questioning is not to criticize uh, the government's actions in fact the parliamentary rules make it very clear uh, that the idea of the committee is not to you know get into the 
uh, exact integrity of what the government is doing now but rather than to look at what is what is it that the government did and could things have been done better so for example in the past you know secretaries of the government of india have come and testified on the functioning of departments every time the budget is going to be passed for a particular uh, ministry uh, the the demand for grant of that uh, ministry is examined by a committee uh, that looks at that specific ministry and there's a whole range of uh, legislative activity that goes through a parliamentary committee so for example uh, there are a number of bills which are currently being examined by a parliamentary committee the committee on labor for example uh, for example is examining the bill on social security the code on social security there is a joint committee of parliament uh, that is looking at the data protection bill the interesting thing that you mentioned uh, in your question was the usage of uh, certain laws now uh, the epidemic act is a you know 19th century law in a 21st century problem uh, the uh, the disaster management act was intended for another purpose and was and is being repurposed to deal with the current problem now what could have happened was that committees could have possibly looked at the different notifications that the government is issuing under these two laws so for example the central government has issued you know close to 700 to 800 notifications so far uh, and both lok sabha and rajya sabha have a specialized committee only to look at the notifications that are issued by the government and some of this work could have happened and course correction actions could have been suggested uh, you know later on uh, by these committees um so you know the, the one interesting thing that you mentioned there are um, is the fact that there is a standing committee on labor that's looking at uh, issues like social security and other things um now you know during this period you know both during the economic package that was announced and even preceding that some major changes have been announced by at the state level and by the central government and and this the two things that come to mind are labor and agriculture so you know states the bjp rule states have announced a you know a kind of dilution of the labor laws to make it supposedly to attract investment and there have been certain um, sort of sweeping changes also announced in agriculture in terms of deregulating some foodstuffs from the essential commodities act opening up markets etc so in in the normal course of things would uh, would such things uh, pass through the standing committees and through parliament in general okay jen uh, uh, parliamentary committees function uh, in two ways one is at the beginning of every year uh, each uh, departmentally related standing committee uh, you know picks a list of subjects that it's going to examine so uh, each uh, we have uh, parliamentary committees which are mapped to the different ministries of the government of india so for example the parliamentary committee on finance you know looks at the working of the ministry of finance there's a committee on home which looks at the working of the home ministry so on and so forth so at the beginning of the year these committees sit down they figure out as to what is going to be their work plan for the year what are the subject areas that they will examine so that's one the second thing that they do is that uh, the moment the budgetary uh, allocations uh, have to be passed in parliament for respective ministries uh, when those allocations are brought to parliament each of these ministries goes ahead and looks at the demand for grants of the respective ministry 
The third thing that committees do is that whenever a bill is introduced in parliament and it is referred uh, you know, to a parliamentary committee, then the committee goes ahead and goes into the details and the nitty-gritties of the legislation that is proposed by the government. Now the labor committee is looking at a bill which the government is piloting and then the committee will you know, reach out to experts, ask also the government to come and testify and then gives it recommendation on each of the clauses of the bill. So this is roughly as to how committees function. Now, uh, committees are not fully replicated at the state level. Right? So there is a gap at the state level where the state legislatures do not have uh, you know, well-functioning uh, committee system. But let me stop there. Uh, the, the committees, while they have been functioning very well at the central level, the current pandemic also poses a challenge uh, for us to rethink some of our committee systems. To give you an example, uh, in the current pandemic, we have realized that uh, things don't work in isolation. If you pull the lever on something, something else moves in a different place. So, for example, currently, if the committees are organized in a very siloed ministry-like classification, then uh, uh, interdependent things get missed out. So, for example, the connection between uh, labor and economy uh, will be very difficult for the committee on labor to look at because the committee on labor will only look at the work of the labor ministry. The economy is a subject uh, you know, which possibly will fall in the committee on finance. Now, in other countries, there are committees which look at a cross-section of things. Right? So, there are committees which look at multidisciplinary things, especially when it comes to areas around science and technology. Uh, which are, uh, you know, uh, where the boundaries get blurred upon, you know, which subject area will something fall in. So that's one, you know, thing that we learn from this current uh, crisis about what can be done to improve the committee system. Now, would the committees have been able to intervene in some of these actions? No. The idea of the committees is not to intervene in the functioning of the government. The idea of the committees is to keep a regular check on their functioning without interfering in the day-to-day -day operations of the government. And, and the other thing, Chakshu, just one thing about um, the committees uh, functioning online. I think we'll have to sort of expand it, not just to these times uh, when, you know, parliament is not in session and there are uh, logistical difficulties, etc. Mm -hmm. But even, you know, when things... Uh, become normal should this be should this become more of a norm that uh, yeah, committees yeah, absolutely. do absolutely yeah absolutely Jayant, i think uh, you know it's a valid point to question as to uh, is it important for parliamentary committees to work virtually by video conference only during these times of pandemic or uh, should the idea be that uh, this crisis should be used as an opportunity for committees to reform their functioning and, you know, embrace, uh, uh, you know, remote working or working on a video conference kind of a format. Uh, I think uh, the crisis, the, the current crisis is just a trigger uh, where it gives a lot of, you know, uh, it provokes a lot of thought for committees as to what is it that they can do to work better. Now, one of the ideas uh, when parliamentary committees were formed was 
that not only will they do the heavy legislative uh, lifting for for parliament but that committees would also become a bridge between uh, people and parliament they would become a bridge between academia and parliament they would become a bridge for industry associations civil society organizations and anybody who had a view on a particular subject to be able to give that view to uh, uh, to parliament now uh, if 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 that's the idea of committees that not only do they scrutinize government functioning not only do they scrutinize legislation but they also elicit expert feedback on government's functioning on legislative proposals then uh, you know the work of committees can be strengthened if they worked virtually even post uh, you know post this current crisis now what would that mean what what it would mean is that even though members of parliament are meeting together inside parliament house they could invite testimony from somebody uh, who's unable to come to parliament uh, who's not in the country right or uh, uh, who would find it difficult uh, to be able to come to parliament uh, you know the parliaments in europe are using uh, a number of uh, crowdsourcing mechanisms to be able to get feedback uh, on the work that they're doing so they are doing you know live uh, uh, live video conferences even before the crisis uh, so uh, it is possible and and this is something that you know committees should really think about it is possible that their work and their outreach to citizens could be expanded by virtual means even more uh, one of the things that you and i were talking about earlier was if there is a if there is a nobel laureate uh, on economics who can come and you know testify to parliament uh should we lose on that opportunity just because the person cannot travel to india or should we figure out ways of uh, getting him in front of a camera uh, on a on a video conference and have him speak to our members of parliament uh, so i think this crisis presents an uh, presents an opportunity for parliament to rethink some part of its systems to say we are more open to working in ways in which we'll be able to get more people involved in our uh, in our legislative and accountability functions Uh, Chakshu, you did mention um, the functioning of um, you did you did bring up the European example. Um, there are parliaments that are, and I mentioned earlier in the conversation that there are um, countries where parliaments are functioning through uh, through video conference through other means. Um, can you uh, point out some sort of prominent examples internationally where parliaments are not just uh, functioning but playing a crucial role in you know having this oversight or you know monitoring function on governments as they deal with COVID nineteen. yeah absolutely uh, uh you know we borrow our uh, parliamentary system uh, from the british you know house of commons uh, uh, they have been working on a hybrid model uh, and the hybrid model is there are some members of parliament inside the house and there are some members of parliament on a video conference uh, with tv screens in the house uh, but that's for the full functioning of the house uh committees in the uk parliament uh, have been you know deposing uh expert witnesses on video conference in the new zealand parliament uh, a, a a committee has been set up uh, specifically to look at uh, the effect of the pandemic uh, and it has you know both ruling and opposition party members and it is working you know completely through video conference uh in the us uh, uh, i think about a week and a half ago 
uh, a chairman, uh, the chairman uh, of one of their prominent uh, federal institutions that was uh, overseeing the work on pandemic, actually testified to a, a committee of Congress uh, over video conference. There were some uh, senators and congressmen, uh, you know, who were in the chamber, but uh, everybody who was testifying was on a video conference. In Brazil, you know, the two houses are working uh, remotely. So there's a whole lot of work that uh, uh, that parliaments are doing. And the underlying theme and all of this work is this, that the idea of an institution is the continuity of its work. And just because there's a crisis at hand, it shouldn't mean that the work of the institution stops. Uh, the work of the institution should continue irrespective of what the situation is so that the institution can respond uh, you know, to that crisis. Okay. And uh, Chakshu, one uh, important procedural question as we are kind of uh, nearing the end of this conversation. Um, you know, the, the next session of parliament following the budget session is supposed to be the monsoon session. Um, we don't, we can't as yet say what trajectory uh, COVID-19 is taking in India and we don't know where, at what point we'll be at that time. Um, supposing the monsoon session doesn't happen, what what do the rules say in terms of when parliament can reconvene again? Jayant, our constitution specifies that there should not be a gap of more than six months between two parliamentary sessions. So since the first, uh, the first session of the season finished on the 23rd of March, uh, the next session should definitely be held uh, uh, sometime in September, uh, calculating you know six months from there, six months from the 23rd of March. Having said that, what are the options uh, in front of Parliament uh, to meet? So one option is uh, Parliament has a quorum requirement that uh, a minimum number of uh, uh, members should be present in the House for Parliament to function. So one way Parliament could function is that if, uh, if uh, in July, August, September, if travel is still permitted, some members of Parliament can, uh, can come to uh, the Parliament House to meet the required number of quorum and then business can be conducted. And even if Parliament meets for a shorter period of time, it meets for you know, a week, then that gives us another six months uh, to, uh, uh, to, for the next Parliament session to happen. But uh, uh, this is a, the, uh, the challenge is uh, uh, just because there's a crisis on, uh, should we wait for the crisis to finish before parliament should function or should parliament function irrespective and, you know, uh, and, and, and be that voice of deliberation uh, to say, you know, what kind of uh, decisions are being taken. So I personally believe that irrespective of how things pan out with respect to the pandemic, parliament should definitely function and it should evolve ways of functioning and continuing with its work irrespective of what crisis is being faced in the country. Because that is the strength of an institution. The institution continues uh, and, and physical challenges shouldn't come into the way of the functioning of the institution. One last aspect, you know, uh, uh, one of the things that has been talked about is the confidentiality of the work of parliamentary committees when it comes to their functioning and, 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 and a possible challenge by working remotely is to say as to how will you maintain confidentiality of these proceedings 
because they are key to the functioning of a parliamentary committee. Uh, uh, but international examples have shown that members of parliament are very, very cognizant of confidentiality and, and, and their participation is done in such a way and is regulated in such a way that there is no outside interference, nobody can, uh, you know, nobody can overhear what the parliamentary, uh, what the parliamentary committees are discussing. So I think there is, there is scope for us also to evolve into that direction. And it's not as if that our parliament is, uh, you know, uh, technologically backward. In fact, our parliament is one of the most technologically savvy parliaments in the world. Uh, members of parliament do a lot of uh, a lot of their background work uh, on an online portal provided by parliament. Uh, so uh, we have all the technological resources that are there. We just need to marshal these resources uh, well uh, so that we can ensure uh, that the functioning of parliament does not get impinged. Uh, Chakshu, uh, the other thing is, you know, uh, PRS is, um, you know, you're you're in touch with a lot of members of parliament. You have this program where you track individual MPs and their work. Now, I, I was just curious as to what is the kind of feedback that they are giving you? Because I, I am guessing that one of the natural responses at this time would be for them to say that we are more useful in our constituencies now, working with the people rather than, you know, being in parliament and, you know, making laws and doing this kind of oversight work. Um, have you had any conversations with any of the MPs? What's the kind of feedback you're getting? Jant, I was reading a media report uh, uh, which said exactly what you're saying, that many MPs suggested that uh, uh, their constituents need them onto the ground uh, in terms of the support that they can provide or the coordination that they can provide. Uh, and I think uh, while that is extremely, extremely important because at the end of the day, they are our public representatives. Uh, uh, there is a higher duty for a member of parliament and that higher duty is not only to look at uh, the 100 constituents or the 200 constituents that that are reaching out to them every hour, but to look at the picture in a much bigger, you know, macro sense. And that macro sense is that uh, each member of parliament represents you know, between 15 to 18 lakh people. Uh, that's the size of the constituency that they uh, that they get elected from. Now, to be able to do justice to this larger constituency, they will not be able to do it just by being on the ground. To do justice to this kind of work, they'll have to come, uh, you know, and be part of this uh, process where they hold the government to task and they say, what is happening onto the ground in my area? or what is the government's response to the peculiar situations that are being faced in my area. As long as they're in the ground, they're obviously helping. But uh, according to me, their help can be uh, much bigger uh, if they do that uh, in a macro sense by questioning ministries, by questioning government departments uh, regularly and saying, you know, and take their experience from their ground to suggest to uh, the government as to what is missing, what can be added, how can things be improved. I think that's a much greater role that members of parliament can play in this kind of scenario. So we leave it at that very interesting note. Uh, Chakshu, thank you once again for joining us today. This has been a really interesting conversation and I hope that all of our listeners got something from it. And I hope to, as I said, see you again soon on the In Focus podcast. Thank you, Jen. Thank you for having me.